I had little people watching me, so <laughs> I had to be mum. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, yep. that was a, a huge driving force um, yeah. that I, I knew I had to be strong for something more than myself. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name is Tabitha Bright and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier. My guest today is a wonderful lady called Alison Newman. Now, I do need to pre-frame. This is the trigger warning. Uh, We do discuss adult content and we do discuss domestic violence. So um, please note there's a trigger warning associated uh, with this episode. We're going to talk today about some of the challenges that uh, Alison went through on her journey to invest successfully, her mindset, which is incredible, and the lessons that she's learned along the way. It is a, um, a heartfelt, honest account of how you can overcome adverse, adversity in, in incredibly challenging circumstances. So um, please sit down, put your headphones on, get your cup of tea uh, and be prepared to be inspired by Alison's story. Enjoy this conversation with Alison Newman. Hey, Alison, um, lovely to have you here and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pab, great to be here. (laughs) Fantastic. And um, we're a bit lucky to have you today because you've got um, a story that I think it's really important um, to share, um, particularly pertaining to women, although, you know, it happens to a broad section of society. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get into some of that nitty gritty in a moment. And I think um, if it's okay with you, we'll start off. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your profession, a little bit about your personal um, background because I know you work for government. Tell us a little bit about um, yeah where you're at. Sure. Well, I am a single mother, and I have two beautiful young boys, so yep. <laughs> um, four and six. So yeah, look, I, I'm I am in a secure government job, which I love. I've been doing okay. it for eight years, although it does require me to move around um, quite a bit. Yep. Um, but before that, I was actually in banking and finance. Um, but not in lending. I was actually a debt collector. A debt so, collector. <laughs> Tell yeah, me about that. Yes. Uh, well, I was in commercial recovery and secondary debt collection. So if the banks couldn't find their lender, um, you know, I would find them. <laughs> so wow. sometimes we would find people in witness protection. We would find people you know, a few years later after they changed all their numbers, email, addresses, that sort of thing, we had our ways of, um, of finding people. Of so, people. Huh? yeah, yeah. So professional stalking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It was a good job, but I also had my own mercantile license, so I could actually go door to door and repossess people's cars, people's trucks, businesses that were closing down, um, go and get all the chattels, auction those off. Um, Yeah, so look, I, I was involved with everything for when finance goes wrong for individuals, for business, um, that recovery side of it. So and there's only so long you can do that for. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because what do you think the skill set is that's required? Because despite having to, I mean, my immediate thought is you have to be quite a, quite a tough person, but you'd also need empathy for people's situations. And and negotiating and people skills, I would imagine, because not everyone's going to be pleased to see you for a start. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, before something gets to the stage of, um, you know, recovery and repossession and being closed down, like numerous times they, they try to refinance and find yeah. every other way to get around it. You know, yeah, that option is course. always there. So. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, but you do have to have really thick skin because you do cop a lot of uh, verbal abuse on the phone, that's for sure. Yeah, I can I can imagine. And so yeah. how did you get into property? Um, I always had a love of property. Like when I was a little kid, um, I was actually born in Hunters Hill, um, oh, New yeah. South Wales. But yeah. yeah, but grew up, we actually moved there and they sold in Hunters Hill. I don't even want to think about what that would be worth now. Um, and grew up in sunny Brisbane in Queensland so when I was young we used to go yeah to all the houses being built and just you know ride your bikes and explore Um, and I'd always go through and imagine where all the rooms would be built and where the kitchen would be and um, yeah I just loved that when I was little Um, yeah you had an affinity with property yeah And then when I was about 14, we had to move home. So I helped my parents actually find um, a new home. So we moved from Sunnybank. um, Traffic was getting quite bad over to Rochdale um, because my dad actually, he was semi-retired, but he actually got cancer. So he was quite ill. Um, Yeah, so that was rough. Um, And then when I was about 16, I started getting interested in property. So I watched a house across the road, directly across the street um, from my balcony, and it was for sale for $87,000. And I remember $87,000, and I thought, you beauty, I'm going to start saving my pennies. So when I'm old enough to buy, I'll have $87,000. So how old were you then? I was 16. 16 god you know what at 16 all I could think about was do you know what my biggest aspiration in life to be when I was 16 I wanted to be the person that did the spray painting like the really cool pictures on hot rods (laughs) nothing to do with property I wasn't that clever that's that's pretty (laughs) I don't know where I got that from by the way but anyway, back to you. Um, so you knew you had to get into the market. Um, I take it if you're 16 and you're excited about property. Yeah, definitely. That. But well, by the time I was over 18, I think I was about 19 or something, that same property was for sale again, $239,000. So I was absolutely devastated that I hadn't, um, I was like, where's my $87,000 property? <laughs> Right, so in a very short period of time, you witnessed the power of the property market. 
absolutely. Um, and it didn't really occur to me that that was a, a good thing. Um, all I was thinking at the time was like, well, yeah. how am I going to afford that? So, um, yeah. yeah, but look, at the time, um, you know, as I mentioned, my dad had cancer and my older brother at the time had given me a book, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad book by Robert Kiyosaki. Very good. So that Foundation. really got me started. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I just fell in love with reading finance books from there. And I just, you know, I knew I had to find a way to get my own house. So yep. I did. Um, yep. You know, I, I managed to a few years later. Look, my dad actually on his deathbed told me um, some solid advice, um, probably the best advice he's ever given me and said, just get a roof over your head and your life will be okay. So sound advice. Yeah, went from there. Yep. Yeah. So um, look, when I was about 23, um, I managed to buy my first property. Whereabouts so, was that? Well, I was pretty clever doing it at 23, but it wasn't the greatest <laughs> of decisions. So I spent 305000 and I bought a house in Springwood in Logan. Oh, yes, 305. 305. So, um, I, I basically, I, I knew that I wanted to get a property, but I couldn't afford what was in Brisbane. So I kept getting pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. So, yeah, that was in 2005 and it was just prior to the GFC. Mm. So I think I actually paid above what I wanted to pay. Um, I didn't really have an understanding of the markets, but I knew that I had to just get property. <laughs> yeah. So I did. So I made some classic mistakes. Um you know, but I knew I was a hard worker and I knew that I was ambitious. So I thought, surely I'm going to be promoted. <laughs> um, I also couldn't afford the mortgage on my own. So I convinced my boyfriend at the time, you know, the banks want two people. How about it? I knew that maybe our long-term goals didn't align um, mm. as much. But, you know, at the time I thought that was the best way to get the property and I also thought the first property that you bought had to be your principal place of residence. I just thought that's what you did. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So what were the interest rates you were paying back then? If it was pre-GFC, they would have been relatively ooh. high. What, 8% would they have got up to? Yeah, I, th I think it was about 7% at the time. And I yeah. wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. So I did half fixed, half variable. Yeah. Um, I was a bit all over the place. Look, I had yeah. other friends that were renting the rooms um, for cash and, you know, just to make ends meet. And I thought, yeah, that's going to count as income. But um, no, it didn't. No, <laughs> so, not officially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, so what happened with the I house? Started... Where did you end up? Well, I ended up knowing that I then needed to start getting more houses, Um because I started reading actually Steve McKnight's book, The Zero to 130 oh, Properties yes. in 3.5 Years. So I thought, yep, yeah, I've got to do that. It's got to be all about um, positive cash flow properties. So uh, yeah. it doesn't matter where they are, doesn't matter what they are, as long as they can pay for themselves, we're good to go. Let's get in. Went back to the bank. What can I borrow? 100000 with a co-borrower. Hmm, okay, 100000 What can I buy? I know there's a little tin shed going for a uh, hundred thousand down in Horsham. It's got a tenant in there that's been there for 10 years. So he's been there long-term. Um, looks like that's going to be positively geared. I'm going to make $10 a week. <laughs> Let's do it. Did you do it? 
Can I tell you, I reckon, Alison, this is a really important point. I reckon this is the key thing that all beginner investors do. We start chasing cash flow. And maybe not, it's not as predominant at the moment because um, interest rates are low. So you can hold blue chip property and it doesn't bleed your um, reserves, right? But back when yeah. you and I were, um, you know, in our early stages of investing in the late 90s and early 2000s, interest rates were higher. And I mean, prior to that, you know, they were in the 17% and so forth. Um, and so we had to look, it drove us to different types of property. And the amount of people that I talked to that um, started investing um, when you were investing did stuff like that. They ended up in mining towns. They ended up, I ended up in regional. You know, we have these stories where often we'll trade um, stories at positive real estate, like the one that got away. I chose, yeah. I looked at a block of units in Liverpool for a million dollars. There were eight units in this block. And I chose to buy in regional New South Wales in this tiny little town several properties rather than the one block because they had yeah. better cash flow and it felt more comfortable than just I still spend a million dollars I just spread it a, a, across a whole lot of crappy properties instead of this one block that I shudder to think what that would be worth today four five million yeah. I don't know and and it's a common thread I remember talking to Jason at one point and I was looking at those dugouts and um, what's that little mining town um, in Coober I was looking at, at the dugouts, you know, they dig underground because it yeah, had like yeah. a 15% yield, but um, they're not a good investment. And so no. how, did, how did you go with Horsham and what happened? Have you still got it? No, no, it was it was terrible. I made all the wrong mistakes. So I, I bought in 2005. Yeah. I had to sell up in 2011. Oh. Um, I, I was, to my credit, I was promoted a few times at the bank, but not the money I was hoping for. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I ended up, I ended up selling everything in 2013. Um, oh. No, sorry, sold up in bought in 2005, sold in 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah, and look, I, I was left with um, with the debt after I sold. Um, so I sold it a little bit above what they were worth. Yeah. Um, the Horsham property, not so much. <laughs> I think it's still worth about 100000 today. Oh, my goodness. You're probably lucky it's um, worth 100000 <laughs> Yes, absolutely. But, look, I got yeah. stung with the exit fees. And oddly enough, oh. about six months after I got I had sold up the properties, they then stopped doing the exit fees. So I got stung with them. If I had waited longer, I wouldn't have had to pay them. But I didn't know that. What sort of fees did you pay? How much? You pay I anything? think I was left with about 20 grand for an exit yeah. fee. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty, but for pretty someone, rough. It was. And for someone just starting their career, um, you know, in your early 20s and all that sort of stuff, it was a, a lot of money. So mm. it was quite a big blow. And look, it took me till about 2013 um, to recover yeah. from that, paying off credit cards, paying off small loan and just trying my best to get on top of everything again. And it was a hard slog. So, so. that's a, I mean, I know probably when you're young, that seems like a long time, but um, that's actually mm. a phenomenal result to dig yourself out of 
um, you know, out of an experience that I'm sure taught you a whole lot of stuff, right? Um, Absolutely did. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and, um, you know, we don't always want to learn by trial and error. Um, and I guess that's no. why you're here with positive real estate. <laughs> I'm taking yeah, a pun. Oh, exactly yes. Yeah. Um, and you talk about your lone wolf experience, um, but it didn't get you, it didn't throw you off reinvesting in the market again, though, did it? No, it absolutely didn't. It, it just made me think like, oh, God, that was a really, that was rough. I've got to do it again, but how am I going to do it? Right. Um, yeah, look, I, I was determined that I had to get back on the horse, you know, like I, I just I, I had no clue how long it was going to take me. I didn't yeah. know how I was going to do it. I just yeah. knew that I needed to get back up. So, okay. Yeah. And then, so. then we segue into quite a life-changing event for you, really, because yeah. you met your husband in 2013. So on the tail end of kind of sorting yourself out, um, and and tidying up your debt, I guess that um, that was in line with when you first met your husband. So, um, tell us tell us a little bit about about this because this is a significant challenge that you went through. And I just and you know, Alison, I must say thank you so much for sharing this story. And I, I know it's important um, to share this um, so other women and other people experiencing challenges um, can have some faith that they'll come out the other side. You've just got to, you know, find whatever it is within you, that strength within you to, to build up and just to get through because it does get better. But tell mm. us, I'm, <laughs> I'm being deliberately vague because I want you to tell your story. So, Handing over the reins to you, your floor. Mm -hmm. Tell okay, us well, I'll sort of, I'll sort of give you a timeline with um with what happened. So yep. I met my husband in 2013. Yep. He knew I had big plans for buying property again. I was yep. um you know, always talking about property. <laughs> Not better, better. So yep. Uh, look, he had some debts of his own. Um, I couldn't really be critical of that because after what I had gone, gone through myself, like I understood. Mm. Um, look, in 2014, we were married and I had my first child. No. So by the time we got to 2015, I'd finally saved enough for a deposit for a house. Um, and this time I knew that I had to find a house, um, you know, where I was going to, it was, I was going to do better than what I did the first time around. So yeah, I managed absolutely. to find one. Yeah. So I managed to find one that was um, under the sale price. Fantastic. So I got some instant equity with that one. So uh, look, basically the 2nd of January, 2016, when everyone was still recovering from their hangovers, um, I attended an open house and put an offer in. So I got a large four bedroom house. 2009 build um suburbia in brisbane 25 k's yeah. from cbd so Fabulous. didn't get pushed too far out this time <laughs> um look they wanted offers for over 540 um yeah. and i knew that it was sold in 2008 for 520 and i managed to get it settled at 481,000. Oh, congratulations so, lesson yeah, learned, I was, eh? 
I was absolutely, and I was over the, mo- the moon and, you know, the best part, I was back on my horse. So. <laughs> Fantastic. I was very happy. So um, Let's just do the numbers look, there quickly because what did you make? So if it had, it was advertised for offers of over 540 and let's say yeah so let's say um let's say maybe you would have got 530 if it wasn't on the 2nd of January what agent does a (laughs) well the funny thing is the agent was a friend of the seller so he was doing it as a favor oh so that there is your problem (laughs) I wasn't greatly advertised but I managed to find it I thought I was good getting on realestate.com and I was like thanks for this one well, you made about 49 grand if we say, you know, if we take 10K off the top, uh, you know, hopeful price um, and mm-hmm. say maybe, you know, it was worth about 530, then um, yeah, you made 49K. Not bad. Yeah. Too bad. So I was quite happy. Yeah. Um, but look, I think it was then that my husband started seeing the dollar signs in his eyes. Um, yeah. You know, before we had even settled, he'd gone out and bought a new motorbike, a brand oh. new. Um, it was a you know sixty thousand dollar truck with all the bells and whistles. So um, he also insisted on life insurance for both of us, um, yeah. given that we had a child and we had you know just at the house and everything else. So you know, I went along with that. Yep. Yeah, seemed reasonable. Um, you know, the house, uh, which I still own, um, yep. settled in February 2016 and our second wedding anniversary was in March 2016. And yep. it was during this time that um, my husband drugged me with um, extremely strong um, prescription uh, sedatives in um, a few glasses of wine yep. um, and he attempted to end my life. Right. So... I was still awake when he attempted to suffocate me. Um, So I managed to fight with everything I had. Like I actually, I had that feeling of like, this is how I die. And something in me just went, fuck no, not today. (laughs) So, um, you know, the adrenaline kicked in and I managed to fight, sort of crawl my way out with him still on top of me, trying to still suffocate me through down two hallways, past the kitchen, through to the front door. I managed to get down on the floor um, and mind you, I was still naked at the time because I had a, a bubble bath before that and wedding anniversary, anniversary and so forth. It wasn't it? It was your anniversary yeah. and you'd planned a special yeah, so, night. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So um, I managed to kick out the glass in the front window because I knew that if there was broken glass, it, either someone was going to hear it or it would look bad. So I just had in my head, kick glass, kick glass, um, did that. That sort of threw him off guard. Um, You know, I actually couldn't scream, even though the media reported that I screamed for help. I couldn't scream. My mouth was black and blue. Um, There was no oxygen in me. Yeah. So from there, I managed to reach up somehow, grabbed the door, ripped it open. I don't know how because the security chain was on, um, but somehow it came off. Um, I actually ripped the timber down the side of the door. Wow. Um, just there was glass in my feet. Yeah. And I managed to run down the street to neighbours that I saw um, that had a light on. There was one of the neighbours was out in the garden. He was talking on his phone and I ran up and basically barged my way through their front door down their hallway and just stood there 
naked and shaking and bloody feet pretty much. Um, they called the police. They called the ambulance. Um, look, my son at the time was yep. uh, metres away in his cot um, and it was then that I thought, oh, my God, my son. Um, of course you did. Yeah, look, I try not to get too upset. I have told the story a lot now. So, yeah. Um, but, look, I heard his car leave and my instant reaction was, he's, oh, my God, he's, he's taken our son. So I was very fortunate that the police came very quickly, the ambulances came very quickly, yeah. um, you know, several vehicles. They managed to race down to the house and get my son and return him to me and then take me to hospital. So, um, you know, I was very grateful for that. And, uh, you know, I'll carry that guilt too that I didn't think about my son when it was happening. All I heard was, you know, in my head was break the glass, get out, get out, get out. That's that's the only thing that happens when you're under attack is just, well, you know, just to save your life. Been, yeah, it might have been a very different outcome, you know. I'm sure you did, like, you know, without platitudes for you, hun, you know, we do the best we can with the information that we have on hand and our resources at the time. And at the at that time, it was important for you to get out. I mean, I don't think there'd be anyone hearing that story that would think otherwise. Um, and um, yeah. I mean, amazing story. And I think what's so amazing about you is that you are so resilient, and you are such um, I don't know if I like this term. I don't know if it resonates with you, but you know, survivor. Um, um, to get through that, I mean, even even your resilience the first time you did your property, which pales in comparison to to obviously that experience, because that came out of the blue. There were no triggers. There were no warning signs. It wasn't a classic domestic violence situation where you know, it, there'd been a run up to this. It was out of the blue for you. You were totally unaware. So the person that you loved and trusted that was the father of your children, you were having your, um, your um, you know, romantic night planned. You'd had your bubble bath and then mm -hmm. this happens. Um, so how how do you even begin to overcome that and and where did you go mentally after that because I think that's what's so important about this story absolutely look I, I woke up the next day in hospital I was in complete shock um for a long time in that um like hyper vigilant fight or flight you know amygdala flying flying off the handle um yeah in hospital with my son I needed surgery because the glass in my feet it was actually went in so far it was grinding against the bone. Oh, um, yep. Yeah, it was the most painful experience when they do a um a tap um to yeah, it was just it was terrible, most painful thing I've ever felt. But yeah, um yeah, and look, $24 in my pocket in shock. Um and the more worst of all, the mortgage hadn't been paid either. First payment, didn't get paid. Um, I had no money. He yeah. had made more money than I did, um, yeah. you know, so I didn't have access to that either. It was sort of all up to me. And I rang Centrelink. Um, even though I was employed, I rang Centrelink to see if there was any assistance. And they said, oh, no, we can't because your husband earns too much money. Mm -hmm. I thought, you're kidding me. Um, 
he might have earned more money than me, but he certainly spent more money than I did as well. Um, and given the circumstance, you know, that there should have been more help there, but there wasn't. Um, yeah. Look, it, it took me a very long time to emotionally get past that. Um, yeah. You know, I was in fight or flight for probably a solid two years after yeah. that. Um, yeah. You know, I went through therapy, spoke to the psychologist. Yeah. Um, you know, got as much help as I could. Um, it's funny how your friends and family, um, like they do help, but friends that you would normally think would help, it's sort of sometimes they step away because they don't know what to do. Other friends that you weren't as close as sort of suddenly come out of the woodwork and they're there for you. It's it's a very, um, yeah, it's a very strange experience. Like so much in your life just changes overnight when you go through something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. I think it's a, I mean, it's a heavily researched space, obviously, um, and I'll lump this in with um, domestic violence as a whole, and you and I were chatting earlier, and I think it's a really important topic and why, you know, I'm so grateful for you for sharing it, because yeah, I think it's one in three women um, in Australia experience some kind of um, violence, um, which is which is nuts, and I'm I'm not excluding violence. You know that other people and other sectors and other types of violence, but in particular, we're talking about domestic violence today. And um, you know, it's no secret. I'm very open. Um, my very first marriage, um, there was domestic violence, and it was new and a surprise to me. I didn't come from a background where there was violence. I came from a very loving household, and it was. You know, this this stuff can be very insidious. It, um, in your case, it was a complete surprise. In my case, it was a slow descent into it. And before I knew it, it was there. Um, and I think the more we normalize talking about it and the challenge that it is, the more it takes away the stigmas around that stuff. And, you know, the strength of um, women that come out of, situations like I was fortunate I had somewhere to go I had um, financial support from family if I needed it um, you know there were um, it it was easy easy I'll say for me to get support and help and to extricate myself from it compared to the challenges you know some some women have so how did you get through this experience Alison because that's a very intense experience that must have devastated a lot of trust and I mean I can only imagine um where you went, where you could end up with an experience like that so so tell me how have you dealt with it and how do you frame because you've gone on to do some amazing stuff which we're going to talk about so how do you frame that for yourself how do you build that resilience I um I had little people watching me, so I had to be mum. Yeah, yeah, um, You know, yep. that was a, a huge driving force um, yeah. that I, I knew I had to be strong for something more than myself. Yep. Um, but I was also very fortunate that, um, you know, my employer was able to, um, to provide some housing for me as well because um, I couldn't go back to that house. No, um, of course not. Yeah. No, it was um yeah, it it was rough and um yeah, I was just 
I guess I was just lucky that I was able to get into a house. Um, look, I, I went through the whole thing where for some nights I had to stay as Jane Doe in a hotel at first after I got out of hospital. Yeah. Um, I was in hospital as a Jane Doe um, just for privacy reasons. Um, yep. Yeah, and, you know, I, I accepted food hampers at one stage just to put yep. food on the table. Just, yep, absolutely. You know. To, yep. to make ends meet. Um, I did whatever I had to do. I, I sold a lot of my stuff on Marketplace. Um, I saved every penny that I could, um, yep. you know, and I just, I went through all all the trauma, I guess, all, all the feelings, all the emotions, you know, I saw a psychologist regularly, you know. There were a lot of triggers at first um, and I'm lucky that I've been able to work on those. Um, I, I didn't want to be inside, Um when I got back to work, I actually did a lot of it outside just to be in open space and not feel that I was um, inside with doors shut. Um, right, and unable yeah, yeah. To, to get out. So, yeah. So. And so then at some point you, you made a decision. Um, you made a decision. I can see from the notes here, you started investing in some stuff around um, your mindset and um, and you started focusing on changing stuff again for yourself. So you've always had this innate driving force to, uh, I'll use the term better yourself, but I, you know <laughs> what I mean, um, to, totally. to improve or to grow. I mean, I'll use grow. Growth's a better word. Yeah. 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 yeah look, when I was younger, um, you know, I used to love going to the seminars in person and listening to the guest speakers. <laughs> and, um, you know, I it's saw cool. Dr. John D. Martini on stage, yes. and his story is just, it still brings me to tears, um, you know, about what he's achieved. And, yeah. Um, you know, and all the books I used to read when I was younger about personal development and about finance, um, you know, it's all encompassing. And um, I knew that I had to get back to what I used to do before my marriage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started doing that and started listening to Dr. John Martini's podcasts and all that sort of stuff. And, yep. Um, yep. yeah, and then, look, um I'll backstep and look, yep. everything went through court, um, Supreme Court of Brisbane for the trial, yep. um, for what had happened to me, my um, then ex-husband, because naturally I put in for divorce. I of still course. had to wait 12 months before I could do it. Um, 2018 went to court, yep. so you had to wait, you know, two years yep. before you could even get closure on that. Um, and then after that I went through court, made sure that the children are with me, the chattel's mine, my car is mine, you know, all the yep. finance settlement, the house is mine, and that was, you know, fairly logical. I had paid for all the deposit. He hadn't made any of the payments, yep. um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So after that, started getting back to that personal growth and I started watching webinars again, um, you know, and before I knew it, 2020, we were all in lockdown um, and I knew that I had to sort of get some help with um, what I was going to do next. Um, yep. you know, I was lucky that I knew to get a depreciation schedule with my property. Um, I knew to get good tenants in there. Um, yep. Unfortunately, I couldn't claim depreciation until 
Um, everything went through court, so I missed out on the first couple of years. Right. Um, yeah. But because it was a quality property, um, there's still some depreciation even now. So right. Um, awesome. I guess guess that was lucky, yeah. but um, <laughs> look, I'm rabbiting on a little bit. But look, no, I, I did fine. somehow yeah. come across PRE. Yep. Um, started watching that and thought, yep, yeah, you know that that sort of aligns with um, what I wanted to do because. I'd watch some other, you know, I'll call them property gurus. Yeah, um, yep. <laughs> yeah look, and they, none of them sort of resonated with um, yep. where I was at. They, they all wanted you to already have a lot of equity, already be making six figures. Um, and most of them wanted you to start with setting up a trust account, um, ah. you know, and just, you know, none of them mentioned that it actually costs to set up a trust account um, yep. and you have to manage it and all that sort of thing. And I'm just yep. like, that's not where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and when I found PRE, yep. yeah, yeah, yep. for sure. And when I found PRE and I had my um, my free Zoom consultation with, um, with Todd the next yeah. day, like yeah. he just blew me away with all his, his raw honesty. Like there was yep. there was no bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it didn't matter what financial position you were in. You could start straight away, look at goal setting, look at where you needed to go, yep. um, look at everything down to your daily budgeting, like really the nitty-gritty um, you could start with. So I just went, you know what, I've been through hell and back. I've already, you know, been in debt before. I've already lost properties before. I've nearly died. You know, I've got one chance to, to make this life a good one. Let's just go for it. So I was like, sign me up. We're doing it. Um, yeah, I so I was, I was really happy. <laughs> and, yeah, um, so look, 20, yeah, sorry, you go. So I was just going to say 2020 turned out to actually be a blessing in many ways because um, I was able to spend the time at home getting back to myself and um, signing up with PRE and just getting inspired um, and moving forward again. Oh, fantastic. And um, which is amazing considering everything you've gone through and that it's all so fresh that, I mean, even that you're operating as a, you know, for all intents and purposes, if there is such a thing as normal, like a normal walking, talking human being, when you think, you know, that was a, that was a massive massive experience um, that I can only begin to imagine the ramifications that, you know, it must have and so to get up to put trust in people again to look at moving forward I mean that you've kept that property that you know you're able to separate that and go well it's still a quality property um, um, you know I'll turn it into a rental property uh, it can work for me um, so what have you done since joining positive real estate where are you at on your journey now I actually looked at a few properties that um, that came up that were available and naturally yep. you fall in love with them all, but um, knew I couldn't <laughs> afford them. I was yep. realistic in, at least I hope I'm being realistic in what I can afford um, nowadays and also what I can afford on my own, on my yeah. own journey um, yep. to provide for my children. Yep. So um, look, Todd's been excellent um in yep. mentoring and being realistic and um Hayley as well um and I, I at first wanted to go for the deal at Beeth and Loeb um oh, yes yes in Victoria, and 
Look, I'll tell you the truth, maybe it's the debt collector in me, but I do the occasional drive-by when I can just to check out the block and where it's at and what's around. <laughs> um, but I didn't did get to buy way. that. I actually managed to put down an expression of interest for an ARIA property. Um, oh. So I'm very excited that I will hopefully have my ARIA unit um, settling at the end of 2022 or maybe early 2023. So Oh, yeah, that's amazing. So, um, and which aria one did you buy? And do you mind me asking? Because aria, yeah, oh, sorry, which Riviera. Oh, Riviera, fabulous. Because, um, yeah. for those of um, for anyone watching this podcast that maybe isn't um familiar with um with aria, they really are um a very very special uh developer that does amazing amazing work and um and i'm so glad that you got a um a fabulous unit with aria so um that'll um, serve you very right. well long term um fantastic and so that settles sorry you did say 2022 um, end of 2022 Awesome. Yeah, so awesome. look, I'm very excited that, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you speak to a lot of people, everyone says, you know, the thing we all hear, don't invest in units, don't get off the plan, it's too risky, they always go down, don't buy near the city. Well, mine's not in the city, it's got the history, it's got time in the market, it's a great time to purchase in the market, it's awesome. quality property property i'm i'm more than confident that it's it's going to do well so i'm very excited with my um with my decision to get my second investment property and head towards the one percent club because guarantee i'm going to be gunning for my third um (laughs) as soon as i possibly can i do not doubt that for a second um if i know anything about you in the short time that you know you and i've had brief chats um, because like you said, your coach is Todd. I don't personally coach you, but um, uh, you are very determined. And I think um, your determination and your resilience is, um, I just know that's going to equal um, the success uh, that you choose, um, which, is, which will be fantastic. And, and, it's, and it's interesting too, because um, we do often have, it's a great point you bring up about apartments. We often have these preconceived ideas that, certain type of property doesn't do certain things and that shifts and changes with markets um, in, um, in my portfolio and the um, I think I've coached around over the 14 years about 700 clients and I've seen I've seen apartments do some amazing stuff for people um, I've seen houses do really well and I've seen um, now townhouses coming to the fore as well uh, becoming a very popular option but it's a common theme, and you'll see me talking about these common themes that I'm always looking for, that is, um, it's quality. And if you can buy quality, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a townhouse, whether it's house and land, whatever it is, if it's quality, long term, it, it serves is, um, is what we're finding. And I think, um, congratulations, because you've certainly bought, you've certainly bought quality. Um, Thank you. And... Got a couple of last questions for you. What are the mm-hmm. biggest lessons that you've learned? Have you had to encapsulate? I can see you've got two here um, in my notes. So do you want to share your biggest lessons with me? Mm-hmm. Don't do it on your own. Oh. Um, <laughs> you, it's not just a saying when, you know, when you say yeah. get your stick star team, 
yeah absolutely get your six star team you know and don't just let it be friends and family that um you know might have the best intentions but um you know might have biased ideas about oh it's risky we don't want to see you get Mm. hurt um you know are you crazy you've already lost property before didn't you learn something i did learn something that's why i'm doing it again (laughs) (laughs) you learned what not Um, to do Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's important. Yeah. Um, I hope, you know, hopefully some other people can learn from my mistakes and, um, yeah. you know, get some mentoring, um, get people yeah. that are, they've done it before, but also they're still doing it. So they're current with the market, you know, get yeah. good financial advice and, um, and also be active every day. Like I am um, almost to the point where I think I'm probably being a pest. I'm always waking up to do more <laughs> Morning coffee chats with um with Jason. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I learned a long time ago, um, it might have even been Dr. John D. Martini, um, you know, to, to model people that you aspire to. And, you know, if Jason can get up every morning and do the yep. talks, then I can get up every morning and all I've got to do is listen. How easy is that? <laughs> so I make sure that I'm there, I'm present, I'm involved, and I'm inspired every day. Um, constantly Amazing. thinking about my goals and where I want to be. And it, it sets me up, um, you know, for a great day as well. Um, That's awesome. And the only other thing, the second lesson I'd say is back yourself. You know, yep. you absolutely have to believe in yourself that you can do it. You can move absolutely. forward. You know, yep. you can survive. And um, it doesn't matter how many people tell you you can't because I have been told constantly, you know, since what happened to me that I can't do things. I can't afford the house that I've got. Um, You know, you won't be able to keep your job. You'll be too unstable. What rubbish. Um, You know, um, you won't be able to travel. You won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. Um, You know, I've at every turn, it just has inspired me to to prove everyone wrong. I've done it. So back yourself, believe that you can do it. If someone tells you you can't, tell them watch this space i'm i'm going ahead i'm doing it so yeah <laughs> it's awesome it. I, I just love your uh, your spirit you're just so and this is going to sound bloody chocolate box but you are so inspirational and it's and it's awesome that you're so open in sharing this because like i said earlier you know we don't talk about this stuff enough um it's so so important um, we don't and, and um, no. shouldn't be taboo we should talk about it um, and we should learn from each other as well. We should sh- share stories and we should learn from each other's stories. 100%. And um, if you, I'm going to get you to um, not be prepared for this question because I don't see it there on the notes. <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot unless I've missed it in the notes. So if you had advice for um, young Alison going back mm-hmm. to, you know, 18, 19, 20, um, what would be the advice that you have for young Alison today? It would probably be to focus on myself, to Mm -hmm. focus on my goals, what I really want in life and don't get swept up in relationships Mm -hmm. and sort of align yourself with what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just really spend that time um, 
in getting to know yourself and getting to to love yourself and yeah. you know really decide what do I want to do in the world um yeah and I think I would have if if I had have really spent more time on my own um mm. I think I would have realized that there were other choices for me to um to to learn in other ways yeah yeah I understand oh we got a little person <laughs> we do a little person shut the door okay <laughs> all right well we'll let you get back to your <laughs> to your kitties <laughs> all good we've got lots of people that have family everyone understands um well thank you so much Alison for um for sharing today um truly inspirational and you're so bloody strong um and you know just wishing you every success hun I, I really from the bottom of all our hearts here at positive real estate we wish you you know an amazing um for whatever's in front of you that it is amazing um and I'm sure with your resilience and ability to create these goals for yourself I'm, I'm sure you'll get there I, I really do have faith in that Thank you. I really appreciate the support. Um, you know, I love all the podcasts. Um, yours, now I get to be in one. Oh, my God. Um, you know, it's Jason's podcast and his coffee yeah. talks and um, Andy Fenton with Wealth, Wine and Wisdom and, um, you know, yeah. Sam's podcasts. I never miss one of those. Um, <laughs> never love them. Uh, there's just... You know, I've, I've found my tribe with PRE and, um, yeah, I'm really glad that that I, I joined up and I'm here to stay so you can't get rid of me. <laughs> uh, no, we wouldn't want to either and we're absolutely wrapped. You're part of the tribe. So thank you again, Hun, and, um, and I think that's it for now. Thanks very much. Great. Thanks, Tab. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.